was a kid, right, I was uh, probably around 13, 14 years old, my older cousin, Jennifer. Hi, Jen. Um, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll know that she's a huge Mets fan. That and pole dancing. It's the only thing she ever talks about. Anywho, so Jen had a boyfriend, um, and um, the, through the boyfriend and his friend, she got into what she called industrial music. And I and I didn't know what the hell industrial music was. I mean, my my record collection at this time in my life consisted of Nirvana, Paula Abdul, and um, uh, Motley Crue, Doctor Feelgood. So when she said one, so we were at my grandparents one night, and she was like, "Hey, you know, Chris and Ed, my friends, um, they're taking me to a club called, uh, in um, uh, Mineola, which is on Long Island, hence the Indian-sounding name, um, called Hotel Leningrad." And I said, "Well, okay, well, what kind of music do they play there?" And I was just getting into metal at this stage of my life. I had sort of abandoned the years of listening to rap music that I uh, in the town that I grew up in. Uh, and I just started listening to metal, and she, and I said, "Well, is it kind of like a metal club? What, what is it?" She's like, "They play industrial music." I didn't know what industrial was. Okay, this is like 1990, 1991, somewhere in there. Um, she so she says they play industrial music, and I was like, "What does that even mean?" She was like, "Just come, you'll like it. If you like metal, you'll like a bit of a misnomer in describing it that way because they played everything from, and I didn't know this at the time, my whole musical awakening kind of occurred that night because that was the night that I heard Ska. That was the night that I heard Ice-T's Thrash Metal Man Body Count. And I was the only person who knew who that was because I knew who Ice-T was because I listened to his rap albums. Um, but that was also the night that I, that was the first night that I had ever heard, uh, that, that was the night that I heard Pantera for the first time changed my life as we all know but that was also the first night that i heard of a band called ministry which is an actual industrial band and uh I, it changed my life it really did it was it, i will forever be indebted to jennifer for having introduced me to this entirely different uh form of music a kind of music that takes traditional rock and roll and adds uh electronic sounds to it KMFDM, a band who uh, made history by plugging uh, like a dozen vacuum cleaners into guitar amps and creating music from this. That was industrial. It was supposed to be dystopian. It was supposed to be post-apocalyptic. It was craft work on meth. That's what it was supposed to sound like. You know, just angry, uh, you know, robot-type kind of music and I loved it and for years I would go to industrial actual industrial clubs in New York City and Long Island I would go to the Batcave and I would go to the bank and people from New York know what I'm talking about nobody knows what the hell else I'm saying but I would go you know I dress in black and I would listen to the music and I would dance and me and my friend Pete would cut a rug let me tell you what at very aggressive industrial dancing, that's what we would do. And we did this for decades. We did this forever. And, you know, you get older and the friends start to move away from each other, but the music remains the same until it, until it stops sounding like it used to, and then you suddenly realize, Jesus Christ, what have I been listening to all this time? Well, folks, tonight we are going to review 
what I had hoped was going to be an awesome album, but it is a stark reminder that nothing stays the same. Things change, and not always for the better. Ladies and gentlemen, the Metal Hammer of Doom podcast presents Ministry from Beer to Eternity, the Review. And folks, this is more of a eulogy, okay? This is more of a morning. Uh, this is a wake. This isn't so much a review. And I'll tell you what, the only way I can get through this is to bring on my co-host, who's going to, again, carry me on his back, because I'll tell you, this isn't like, you know, the other podcast where I just wasn't into it or I didn't listen to the actual album until it was too late. No, this is more of, my friend has died, okay? My friend who I once knew that got me through high school, industrial music, is dead, and I need someone to hold my hand and pat me on the back and tell me it's going to be okay, because God, is this album terrible. Robert Cooper, send me salvation. Well, I could have sent you salvation if I, we would have chose the Carcass album like I wanted to. I was like, <laughs> just like, like I said before, I'm like, you know, oh, Mark was like, oh, we got to do this ministry album from Beer to Eternity. I'm like, yeah, and I want to get Mark on for one last podcast before he goes on hiatus. Oh, you want to do that ministry album? And, and then, then, then we listened to the ministry album, and I was like, sweet Christ. I wasn't an industrial <laughs> fan before. <laughs> Why? I mean, I I've, want, I've never, I, never I, listened I to industrial. I want to go on record as saying industrial music used to be good. It used to be creative. It used to be inventive. Industrial, I remember being in college. Uh, I, didn't, I, I graduated from a, school, a state college in New York. Uh, with my bachelor's degree, but for the first semester, I went away. I went to Pittsburgh, and I remember like in- introducing a lot of the you know more rural type kids that I uh, dormed with in Pittsburgh to industrial music, and that was about the time that Marilyn Manson um, was starting to get popular, mm-hmm. and Nine Inch Nails was the only industrial band everyone knew. So you know, to, to a lot of people, industrial was just starting to become um, as close to mainstream as it was, it was ever going to get. You know, that, that's when Gravity Kill started to come out. Um, KMFDM had one or two semi-mainstream albums at the time. Um, if I can just digress for a moment, I, I want to really quickly tell this story. I may have told it on here before, but it. But whenever I get to talking about the uh, – whenever Grandpa Rattles lights a fire and talks about the olden days of uh, industrial music and metal, I always like to tell this story because it, it's, it, fit, it so fits. So you're familiar with the hardcore New York band, um, New York punk band, Life of Agony, correct? Vaguely. Okay. You may have been familiar with Life of Agony's later work, which was terrible. But their earlier uh, (laughs) uh, River Runs Red era stuff was quite good, and Life of Agony had quite the following back in the day. Um, All us New York kids loved us some Life of Agony. Um, And... You know, Life of Agony had a very strong following of New York hardcore punk fans, who you might not know this, but we tend to be a bit aggressive at these concerts. We we do a little bit of the old moshing, and by that I mean there's you know near damn near fistfights that break out at these things. Um, this this is why there's a song out there. Um, someone's going to get their head kicked in tonight. Well, that's because that sort of thing tended to happen. I'm living proof of that I once got jump kicked in the face. Thank you, Rick, from 25 to Life. Anywho, uh, so Life of Agony, as I said, brought out the violent crew. 
Now, industrial bands, KMFDM, Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, uh, especially going going even a little further back, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, Skinny Puppy, etc., tended to bring out the more gothic. You know, but these were the this was the pre-emo era, and so the kids that would eventually become emo started off in in, in sort of the goth industrial scene, and they were you know sort of your wafier kids. Well. The reason why I'm going into this much detail about that is because some promoter thought it would be a gayest <laughs> to book KMFDM and Life of Agony on the same tour. <laughs> some little spindly like gringo is going to get punched in the face. We lost a lot of good goths that night, Robert Cooper. <laughs> That's how I see, that's what I usually when I think of like uh, industrial I think of those goth kids. Oh, that's well that would make sense cuz that's what, you know, that that's the, the, the goth kids from South Park. That's exactly what they were. Um but uh yeah, the New York hardcore set um beat the living shit out of every single goth at that club, at that show. This is the Roseland Ballroom. And uh I remember one of my friends, you know, big dude he was tall. He was pretty, pretty strong. Um, you know, he was definitely there more for KMFDM than he was Life of Agony. I lost him in the pit. I just, we just lost him entirely. And the next time I saw him, he was bruised, he was bloodied, and his shirt was ripped. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so this reminds me of a Mayhem Festival where you bring like some of the heavier bands and throw them with your deathcore bands and watch those fans mingle. Uh, Something like that. So much that. metal, so, so so, much metal snobbery. Yeah. So uh, you know, you have to you have to forgive me. I'm this is the, this is the last show before I go on a, a month hiatus before I take my month vacation from all the podcasting that I've been doing. But it's also it, it's a uh, I feel like I have to say goodbye. I have to say goodbye to a band that I have a lot of fond memories of. Because this album is so bad, I don't ever want to listen to this band again. <laughs> that's that's how bad. Oh, that damn Super Collider wasn't that bad. <laughs> I, no. I can't say I'm ever. I'm not gonna ever listen to Megadeth again. Wow. Yeah, this that's, is it's pretty rough. I'm just well. Thankfully, this is their. By the way, and this is the. Now I want to actually move into the review. Um, so, Ministry put out uh, from Beer to Eternity uh, on September sixth. So about a month ago. And it, this is supposed to be their actual last album. Now, going back to September 18th, 2007, The Last Sucker, which is the third part of an anti-Bush trilogy, was released. And that was supposed to be their final album. However, on August 7th, 2011, it was announced that Ministry was reforming and would play at Germany's Wacken Open Air Festival set to take place August 2nd through the 4th, 2012. The reunion lineup featured Al Dorkinson on vocals, Mike Scaccia, and Tommy Victor, both on guitar, Aaron Rossi on drums, and John Bechdel on keyboards, Tony Campos on bass. Um, however, on December 13, 2012, Mike Scaccia died, and Al Jorgensen said, that's it, I don't want to do ministry anymore without him. And it should have stayed that way, because The Last Sucker was awesome. But, you know, I, I, and we're going to have to talk a little bit about the politics of, of ministry, just to kind of deal with some of their music. But 
regardless of how you felt about George Bush and his presidency, and I honestly don't want to get into don't want to get too much into that. The music itself was so the music of the Last Sucker and the, the two albums that preceded it, um, House of the Mole and uh, Rio Grande Blood, were amazing. It was. I, I, it's often joked that Al Jorkinson can't put out a decent ministry album unless there's a Bush in the White House. Because as we all know, George Bush Sr. was in the White House during uh, what is possibly their the Zenith album, uh, Psalms um, – hang on, Psalm 69. I almost called it New World Order, but the New World Order was the big one on there. Yeah, Psalm 69, which came out um, in 1991. And that, of course, you know, had a lot of you know anti George Bush stuff, and it was amazing. They followed that up with like Phil Pig and Dark Side of the Dark Side of the Spoon and Animosity Limited, and nah, it wasn't until they get back to House of the Mole and Rio Grande Blood with uh, with Bush in the White House that you get back to really good ministry again. So if they had just ended with the Last Sucker, I would be happy. I would have fond memories of ministry forever. However. Uh, they put out Relapse, and Relapse was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. It was, certainly didn't make me hate the band. Um, however, they were, apparently they had recorded a lot more music than uh, they had time for with Relapse. So um, they were going to put out another album regardless, but then Mike Scaccia died, and now Jorkinson said, we're just going to finish up this album, and then that's it. I don't want to do ministry anymore. So this is supposed to be the last album, the very last. And Thank God, because I don't want to hear any more. <laughs> so, uh, having said that, just before we get into the track-by-track track review of this thing, I think I've, I've said quite enough at this point. Have you heard any ministry before, or is this your first time listening to ministry? And if it is, I apologize. Thank you for doing so, because, like I said, industrial has never, never really been my thing. Never, I just never got around to it, and when I did, I just never got into it. And I was like, oh, ministry, I've heard of these guys. Almost got their one of their albums from uh, Goodwill once, but this is my first uh, first time listening to ministry, and kind of like, you know how you listen to Super Collider, and if you wouldn't have listened to the other 13 albums, you probably would have hated Megadeth? Yeah. Yeah, that's... This is kind of like, like I don't hate Ministry because I believe you and I am sure they have very good stuff. This album, this album is what my, my, Mike Patton has his nightmares about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, just in terms of like just random ambient noise and just sound clips and shit. This is, uh, yeah, this is the first time I've heard them and I was like, man. I'm actually actually the last two songs I listen to most of them, but I actually skip to the end of most of them, and I never ever do that because I'm like, oh, something good's gonna might be coming up. No, I knew I was like, <laughs> this is just gonna be another minute and a half of ambient noise with news clippings of God knows what. Yeah, I mean, it is ironic In... that we are are doing this album on a day such as today. <laughs> the government <laughs> shutdown. Yeah, I was like, I was like, you know, the government's not doing their job. Why do I have to? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should listen to the right hook this Thursday. Uh, I will actually be addressing that very issue. But uh, let's talk music. All right. So before I get into this, let me let me make this one final point. Ministry was always very very good about making really fun music and using the sound clips and um, samples to enhance the song. 
The problem I have with a lot of other industrial, a lot more technoized industrial, unless like I like the thrashy industrial, like ministry. I don't like the more technoized industrial, like say Front Two Four Two, or um, Skinny Puppy. I know a lot of my old friends and a lot of guys I used to go clubbing with thought Skinny Puppy was the greatest thing on earth, and it wasn't heavy enough for me. Um, the problem, like I said, a problem with a lot of bands like Front Two Four Two and Skinny Puppy, and um, what was that? They tended to rely too heavily on the samples and. You know, granted, it was supposed to be dance music. I mean, the ministry strayed from what, what industrial music was really supposed to be, which was, you know, music for the club. This was music to dance to. That's why My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult and Lords of Acid were so popular is because they were probably the most danceable thing out there. Um, but ministry strayed away from that, and that's where you had a lot of the metalhead sort of, you know, in, invading the goth and industrial scene. Um, but like I said, they always used it to enhance the music. When you rely too heavily on it, and it beca- and, and the song suffers under the weight of all of that of all that sampling, you lose me entirely. And that brings us to our first track. This is five minutes and eighteen seconds, folks. We're not going to play the whole thing. We never do on this show. But I just want you to keep in mind that this is five minutes and eighteen seconds of essentially, um, I don't know. Just 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 listen. Holy cow! Now you know what we're in for here. I thought you stopped and started whispering. I'm like, Mark, what are you doing? 
<laughs> no, no, I did not stop and start whispering. That was the song. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't know how you, in the lifetime, go from New World Order and Jesus Built My Hot Rod and Thieves to this. You know, especially, like, like you know, the first uh, two ministry albums, uh, two proper ministry albums, because the first one was actually called With Sympathy, and that doesn't count. Um, but, uh, you know, you, when you get to, like, the land of rape and honey and the mind is a terrible thing to taste... You know, there's yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of reliance on um, ambient noise and things, but they're they're used, like I said, to, a way, to in a way to enhance the music. Where this, I just I feel like screaming into uh, whatever mechanism is playing the music, <laughs> probably a cell phone, knowing me these days. Uh, get on with it. I, it just. Uh, well, I can't remember what we were reviewing recently where I said this feels like an exercise in masturbation. Because that would perfectly uh, Phil, describe this album. Anselmo, probably. Probably okay. the Phil Anselmo album. Because remember, probably. those are like 10 minutes, ten minute songs of just grindy, lots of really grindy, sludgy stuff with spoken word Phil. Yeah. Okay, you're probably right about that. But do you, know, you understand what I mean by that? I mean, it's just like... How could you go back and li- I mean, I'm, I'm reading some of the stuff that they've said about the album, and it's like, he, just to quote uh, Jorgensen here, uh, we have never in the history of ministry ever had a tracking session like this one before. Everything went so smoothly. It was surreal. Really? You can listen back to this and go, this is fantastic stuff. Can't wait to release it. My God. I've listened like, to it twice. It is <laughs> it's not just, easy listening. No, this is bubble music. This is this is like, yeah, to a degree, bands will write music that makes them happy, um, and and I and to a certain degree, I can accept that. But you know, if what makes me happy is the sound of like wood breaking, and I call that music, and decide that I'm going to put out an album of wood breaking, I shouldn't be surprised that everyone hates it. Yeah, I mean that. I don't know what fucking instrument that was. That reminded me of those really shitty water cup instruments or something, or maybe a dingery do. I don't know, but it was. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, I'm like, damn. Like, and it was almost, it felt like like 15 minutes of it. And him just I, know, go, I, I played uh, two minutes of that song, two minutes of a five minute song, and it felt like this podcast should be over by now. I know. It was. Oh, it's, so damn bad. I was ah, uh, it's right. weird because there's nothing really I can pull out and say this is why it's bad. It's just everything really feels like he was like, okay, well, got to do another ministry album. And then it they feels just like ah, it feels self-indulgent. It feels like I don't care what anyone thinks of this. This is what makes me happy. This is what reminds me of my dead friend. Um, so oh, I'm not interested. I read in, that they I'm did not, this. I read that they did this, uh, like, this album was finished, then Mike Scassia died. Um, I think the That's initial right. tracking was, was done with it. They, they, yeah, yeah, you are correct. The initial tracking was done, and then he died um, in his other band, Rigor Mortis. And then they went on to put, like, the finishing touches on the album. But, yeah, it just it doesn't feel like this was made for anybody except the people in the band. So, <laughs> um, a lot of this album, I don't feel like, sounds like music. This is one of the few songs that actually feels like an actual song. This is called Aptly Named Punch in the Face. 
Maybe calling that a song was a little too generous. Yeah, it was. I thought it was like maybe half of an actual song, and the rest of it was somebody just chilling with a Fisher Price piano and like, okay, put it on the album. It, we've talked in previous reviews about how many albums will start good, start with some of their best stuff, and then they'll throw in something a little bit more avant-garde, a little more um, a little weird, uh, you know, kind of Mike Patney playing with sound, and they mix it in with the other songs, so it's not. So it's like, oh, okay, well, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like the divas match in a WWE pay per view. Well, this is my moment to go take a piss. And you come back and this break. <laughs> yeah, there are certain times where where a band will throw in a song that is uh, clearly meant to take a piss break, um, break up, break it up a little bit so it doesn't sound like the same Poison song over and over and over again. Um, Ministry has this nasty habit of putting their piss break songs right at the beginning, you know, really not, setting the tone. Ah, uh, that is not good. You know, I. Usually with most of the albums I listen to, if the first song, like usually if the first song isn't great, I lose a lot of uh, hope for the album. Because, you know, I, I expect them to put their best foot forward, and then we'll see what happens later. But, yeah, putting putting a piss break song at the beginning is not a very good way to get anybody invested in the band. Because, you know, like, you, you know, like when you first heard Pantera, it was one of their best songs. You're like, shit, i got to hear this band more. You didn't hear, I don't know, what's a shitty Pantera song? Well, hang on. The very first song I ever heard by Pantera was fucking Hostile. And it changed my life forever. And, you know, a couple years later, they put out, um, was it Stronger? Not, uh, Far Beyond Driven. Far Beyond Driven. Right. And had I heard Far Beyond Driven first and not Vulgar Display of Power, I don't know how into Pantera I would have been. And certainly if I had heard Good Friends and a Bottle of Pills first as the very first Pantera song, I would have said to whoever showed that to me, I'd, why are you making me listen to this? I don't want to listen to this anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind that song, but it's definitely, it's not something that's a good introduction to the band. It does not get really anybody excited about the band. Now, if you're a fan of the band and you can dig that song, you're like, okay, well, it's something different from what they usually do. You don't bring, you don't bring the ambient kind of song that gets nobody excited but maybe a fan first. You bring maybe a radio track or I don't know, just maybe just maybe like the more intense song at first so you can get them started and at least you'll get them hooked for the whole album to see if there's anything else like it. But that's my my thoughts as a man who's never been in the music business. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my amateur opinion. Alright. Um so here I think we're up to an actual song now. We're at track three. This was the first single that was released on uh, from Beer to Eternity. This is Permawar. Never fail. 
I'm so bored by that song. I, I don't even know. I, I, I was actually thinking about the South Park episode I watched earlier with the NSA. <laughs> You're like, did I do the laundry today? <laughs> <laughs> did I leave the iron on? Uh, I need to learn how to iron. I keep telling my mom to teach me how to iron, damn it. So that's what happens. I mean, that might, might be more. That's more interesting than the song, anyways. <laughs> I, I don't actually iron. Um, I act. For, for anyone that knows me, knows perfectly well that I have a number of homeless tendencies. Uh, not the least of which is that I will put on whatever you know, whatever is clean and sometimes isn't. Uh, that's you know within arm's reach, and if it's a wrinkled mess, I just don't give a shit. Like I'm really good yeah. at my job, and I'm a fairly bright guy, but I'm definitely one of those people who spent more time working on his mind and and such, and not his appearance. <laughs> and it shows. Yeah. Yeah, I look like Hobo Jesus most of the days. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, that's cool. My mom one day, like, my mom said one day, uh, one of her coworkers saw me at uh, the grocery store, and just, she said I didn't see her, but she's, <laughs> my mom was supposed to hear this, but she said, yeah, he looks like nobody loves him. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, I say, I have homeless tendencies. My wife will always answer back, but you're my homeless man. No. Yeah. yeah, me, I, I'm denim Dan. So I told my mom, like, you know that denim jacket I wore for ten months last year? Yeah, it still smells. Can we wash it again? <laughs> <laughs> I so lived see, in a denim this? jacket when I was in high school. I, I lived in That's a awesome. denim jacket until I got my leather jacket, and it was funny. Um, this actually relates to ministry because I, uh, I got a, uh, my graduation gift to myself was I got a or a Christmas gift. I don't remember. I got it towards the end of high school. Um, but I finally got a black leather jacket. I finally, after hanging out with metalheads all through high school and everyone had a black leather jacket, and I was stuck with this denim thing, like I was from a 1980s ABC family movie. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I finally got a black leather jacket from Wilson's uh, Leather Store at the Sunrise Mall in uh, Massapequa, New York. And I was so happy. And I, But I wouldn't wear it to any concerts because it was about a zillion pounds. And, um, you know, and like whenever you go to a concert, if you're going to, especially if you're going to mosh, and we've talked about this before, you you want to go in like, you know, fleet of foot and light on the back. You don't want to go in with just, pile, you know, some people do. I don't understand how they do this. But, you know, these these, these shows are hot. You're going to get sweaty. You don't want to be wearing too many, too much clothing. You want to be comfortable. So I would never wear my leather, excuse me, I would never wear my leather jacket to a concert, even though I was surrounded by people in leather jackets and flannels. Because it was New York in the 90s. Anywho. Um, but when ministry came to town, and I had missed ministry a few times, and you know, despite being a huge fan of theirs back in the day, but I caught them on their uh, Filth Pig tour, and it was the very first time I'd seen ministry, and this was like the, I thought was this the, the zenith of my life. Just the, the mo- this is the greatest thing that ever happened. I finally get to see ministry live. Finally, I had reached the pinnacle of concert going. So I thought at the time. And uh, I said, to this show and this show only, I will wear my leather jacket like every other person in the place. And I've never been so hot, sweaty, and tired in my life, and I've run marathons. (laughs) Serves you right, boy. (laughs) Okay, exactly. All right, this is uh, track four. This is Perfect Storm. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. 
This is about what's going to happen. The chemical reaction they fear. Johnny Cash's cover of A Bridge Over Troubled Water, and my father looked at me and said, I don't know why we're listening to this. He sounds like he's not going to live to the end of the song. <laughs> uh, I love those types of songs. <laughs> <laughs> this does. This sounds like, and to a degree this is true, Al, Al Jorgensen was an adult when I was a child, so I'm sure he's up there now. Just like you. Yeah. You're the I was a child. That's right. <laughs> Listen to Pappy Rattledge. He'll tell you what's what. Um, so, you know, Al Jorgensen has to at least be 106 years old at this point, And he sounds it. Like, that, that youthful exuberance and rage that made me fall in love with ministry 20 years ago <laughs> is just not there anymore. I mean, I don't know. You, you're You're like 12. You tell me. Um, I mean, do, do you get like that that raging against the political machine that's supposed to be a big part of this kind of music, and certainly that song in particular? Or are you like me, where you just feel like it just fell flat and it sounds like Grandpa yelling at you? Yeah, like this song was one of my favorites from the album because it was an actual like kind of song. It wasn't you know, <laughs> two thousand hours of sampling mixed with the Dendry Doo and Water Cups. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, like I under I didn't really get any rage. I didn't get any something like you know something like Rage Against the Machine where you can tell they're angry and they have something to say. This just kind of felt to me like. Yeah, I mean, this just kind of felt to me almost like he's angry about it, but he's just kind of too tired to really do much about it. So he's like, yeah, this is what I'm – it's kind of like this is what I'm saying. If you get it, that's fine. I'm not really going to try that hard to put it across. Here's an Obama sound clip. <laughs> I felt like instead of a perfect song, they should have called this song Get Off My Lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn. Exactly. Get off my lawn. I told the kids, get out of my yard. You're making too much noise. <laughs> get good. off my lawn. Yeah. yeah, we should rewrite this album as <laughs> old man Al Jorgensen. 
Uh, honestly, if I knew about this before, I could have rewritten this whole album as Old Man Jorgensen. and no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you should have actually that's gonna when I come back in a month, I wanna see you rewrite this album as Al Jorgensen and Bane Duet. <laughs> Get it out of Gotham. <laughs> okay. So I I need to go back and talk about um politics. Politics, politics, politics. As Mel Brooks once. Now look. It doesn't matter if Robert and I have different political ideologies. Um it really it really doesn't. You know, it, it, he can express himself to me and express his political arguments to me, and I'm more than willing to listen. I would hope that I would get the same respect from him. And at the end of the day, my in my life, my 37 years of being alive, I have come to realize that um, there are a lot of good ideas on both sides of the aisle, and you know, competent adults, not our pres- congressman or president, uh, but competent adults could sit down at a table and try to figure out what are the best solutions for different uh, policy issues. However, there are some people who are uh, from a particular ideology mindset and and they completely disregard the other point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And they, with a pomposity, they, they speak with... Um, a sense of self-righteousness that regardless of even if I am with them ideologically is very off-putting. Rush in, in, actually, he doesn't bother me. But um, really? but I've always been able to overlook that with certain bands because if the music was good enough, I could overlook the fact that the, that the lyrics of the songs are mostly terrible, in my opinion. And maybe some people would say, oh, no, I like... For example, Ministry's last album, uh, Relapse, has a song on it called "The Ninety Nine Percenters," and that was a good. That was a really good case of. Uh, I at least was. I was with the riff. I got it. You know, the song made sense to me. And while I, while I thought it was a bit juvenile, especially the ideology behind it, I at least got where he was coming from, and it made for really, really good running music. And that was all I asked for. However. This next song, that's why I'm doing this whole big speech, this next song is one of these things where not only do you sound self-righteous and indignant, but you also sound like a child. And it doesn't matter, even if I agree with your ideology, your song sounds stupid and so do you. And it's a poor representation of what is, you know, in many ways could be a sound ideology. So what am I getting at? Track five on this album from beer to eternity is about Fox news. They haven't been beaten up enough by other liberal artists, you know, so regardless of your feelings of, and I am going to let Robert chime in on this after I play the track. Um, I want to get, we're going to go right to his reaction, but I felt like I needed to give that preamble before we all heard this dreck. So this next song about Fox news is about 10 years too late. is called, Fairly unbalanced. We interrupt this program to bring you a news bulletin. Brad here on the Fox News Channel. The network of America trusts for fair and balanced news. 
going to defend it i know what the guy meant by we want to get back to where we were 100 years ago but that's that's the line that someone like my dad goes to when he says see republicans want to get back to women in the kitchen and can't vote in slavery like well i don't think that's true but okay sure you know he couldn't possibly be talking about you know prior to the civil war and you know less government intervention and more states rights nope immediately go to slavery got it moving on so, well, let me go to my communist uh, partner here. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Rachel Maddow. What do you think of the song? Jesus Christ, I can't stand that woman either. I can't stand <laughs> any of the people on Fox News. God, like my stepdad. Rachel like, Maddow's hyper... on MSNBC. Stop. Rachel Maddow's on MSNBC. Well, I was getting to them, too. I can't stand any of the CNN people, MSNBC people, Fox News people. They're a bunch of damn troublemakers. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, it's like, funny, because, like, my, my biological dad's, like, really Republican. Like, once he told me if the, you voted Democrat, you don't deserve to vote, which I was like, mmm, that's not how the system works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he told me that, and I'm like, dude, that is just not cool. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not even saying that as somebody who did vote Democrat. I'm just saying it as, dude, that's really disrespectful. But, yeah, there's, this, yeah, this song here is, mmm. It's annoying, because, yes, I, I'm not a fan of Fox News, but, I mean, we've heard these sound bites before, and you know what, if I want to hear somebody make fun of Fox News, there's a gray-haired man that comes on 11 o'clock on the Comedy Central that will do a much better job than Al Jorgensen. <laughs> and, <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, pretty much, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how it goes. I mean, this song, I actually liked the opening riff because it was actual metal, kind of, you know, I was like, all right. This isn't some damn keyboard or a soundbite. It's a it's a guitar in the soundbite. We're getting somewhere. Yeah, it actually sounded like a song for a little bit there. It won't towards the yeah. end. We'll get to that momentarily. Momentarily. And, and, the, and then we started getting into soundboard mania. Which seriously, this album sounds like what me and my buddies do when we're feeling really silly and start prank calling people. Like, yeah, yeah, once we got a, uh, we, we prank called a buddy of mine, my friend, my best friend Nick, we prank called his friend Big Mike, and Big Mike didn't pick up, it was some random black guy who was drunk and very angry by the end of our Hank Hill phone call, because we used the Hank Hill soundboard, and we had him going for six minutes, and he got, he was just getting madder and madder before somebody finally told him, dude, it's not real. 
<laughs> I um there's a there's a Family Guy episode where Peter and Lois get high and uh perform on stage when they're supposed to be doing folk music, but what it but and they think they sound awesome because they're high, but they really sounded like was they're like falling on the stage and shit. That this sounds like the metal album of Pete of uh, Peter and Lois High doing folk music. Well, maybe not folk music. <laughs> maybe this is maybe, maybe this is Peter and Lois sitting at the Fisher Price piano. Because pretty much this album is one giant Fisher Price piano in my eyes. It's Just like um. Even if I was one of these people who was like, yeah, Fox News is the worst thing ever, those clips totally aren't out of context. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> then again, welcome welcome to what the, all those stations do anyways. So yeah. that's why the troublemakers, they take things out of context and everybody's in trouble. Yep. Um, yeah, so we'll, let's, <laughs> let, let's use a clip from one of their uh, opinion analysts uh, to, to make a point that Fox News is always terrible. Anywho, um, exactly. Sorry. That's why we the need Dick so Morris good quote radio. really bothers me. The, the Dick Morris quote really bothers me, but um, I digress. So it starts off okay. This song. I mean, even if you're like the most like diehard MSNBC anti-Fox person, you think what Al Jorgensen is uh, saying this song is just just uh, spiffy gospel. Yeah. Uh, the song descends into ambient Mike Patton jerking off noise, and then they did it, in, and it just doesn't end that way. They did an entire song of this. It's called The Horror. Clearly, on the Republican side, what we do know is that for years they have coordinated what they call uh, their message of the day. So you'll hear on the floor of the House, you'll hear on Rush Limbaugh, you'll hear on uh, Fox and Rupert Murdoch's network, of the day, which they will pound away at, pound away at, pound away at, pound away at, which then creates the echo chamber, which resonates throughout America. another um two minutes i I, i'm going to keep letting this play but i just want to go ahead and say this keeps going and going and going For another two minutes, he'll have you all in a trance. Robert Cooper, for the remainder of this podcast, anything you say to me, I will answer you back with. I got you all in a trance. Yeah, this song was the uh, oh, was this the anti-abortion? Uh, this is this is the abortion song. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's got it's got me all in a trance. Yeah, I, yeah, cause I remember like, yeah, because I remember this is the one where it's placing the thing about a justifiable rape. Yeah, and I was just like, will this guy ever shut up about being in a trance? This doesn't even sound like it's from Fox News. But well, okay, a couple of things. The the, the I got you all in a trance thing is anyone that listens to Fox News and watches Fox News is clearly a moron, zombie, redneck idiot. See, oh, yeah, if I you're, if, if, yeah, if you're watching Fox News, clearly you don't have a mind of your own. That's just the way it is, and there's no arguing about that. That's what he's saying. But the other part of it was, don't ask me about all the inside baseball on this, but basically there was a politician who said something to the effect of, um, he was trying to make the point, as I recall, that some women cry rape. Yeah. When, they, you know, when when they're in a situation that they regret, or when they're trying to get revenge on the guy, they they use rape as sort of a bludgeoning tool, and they don't, and they're not always honest about um, the incident itself. So what he was saying was his belief, apparently, was that the body knows when it's being uh, attacked, molested. Versus when it's consensual, it inherently knows the difference, and therefore, if uh, if some man rapes a woman, and it's a quote justifiable rape, then the body will will just automatically terminate the fetus. This does not sound science in any way, shape, or form, and I'm certainly not defending his belief this, in this. It sounds like something I wrote. <laughs> this this is not real, folks. <laughs> I'm certainly not suggesting that he had a point. What I am saying was, he this was the point he was trying to make, and as idiotic as it sounded, the problem is had he had people actually in, you know interpreted him correctly and just quoted what he was saying and why he was saying it, that alone was enough to damn him. However, they took it to they, they took it to such an extreme that it almost parodied the original statement to the point where the original statement to me was not even close to as bad as what was being said about him. Because what was said about him was essentially like, oh, he thinks you know, like <laughs> he thinks in some cases rape is okay. It was like that's not what he said. But yeah, the liberals. Sorry if I'm offending someone by saying the liberals, but the liberals. <laughs> glommed all over that and lost any sight of rational discourse, which was said because you could have just attacked the guy for what he actually said instead of, like, piling on this other stuff. But then this goes to sort of the idiocy of this album. It's like, let's take every trope and every meme and every nonsensical liberal thought and make an ambient industrial album out of it. Can't yeah. wait for them to get to uh, Amendment One. Then again, ugh, I'm still ashamed of that one. So one, on, one North Carolina, yeah, that one. <laughs> so yeah, I was actually going to get to that. So on every, uh, on a couple of these ministry albums, they have what they call a TV song, and the t- the TV songs are usually their piss break songs. It's it's a lot of clips that's kind of meshed together. So. Um, some of them have been okay. Some of them are kind of fun to listen to, uh, kind of how they edit them together. This is uh, side effects include Mikey's middle finger, uh, TV four. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. 
part is it's got a very classic industrial sound to it. Um, you know, the sound of, you know, like drills going into a street or something, jackhammers. Uh, the song will later on descend into a stream of samples from commercials talking about side effects of drugs. Okay, so Al Jorgensen's a huge heroin user, or at least he was. Dude, I'm judging by this album. He needs to get back on it. <laughs> but the, my point with bringing that up is if he's going to sit here and put out a song where he's going to complain about drug companies pushing drugs on Americans that have horrible side effects, um, Pot, this is Kettle. You're black. Yeah. Actually, this song was one I didn't mind because it did. I was like, "Oh, there's a guitar there. Oh boy, <laughs> it's really, it's really sad that the like the, the use of a guitar in an album gets me kind of excited for the fact that it's there. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just the saddest thing considering uh, there are many, many albums with many guitars that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I like that. I did, Robert sitting there listening to us going, I miss music. Uh, yeah, but pretty much. Like, actually, uh, shit, after listening to the uh, this album was a Monday, I finished listening to it Monday, I'm like, fuck this. I go and, uh, to the new Carcass album and put on Thrasher's Avatar and just like, go, just take me away. <laughs> I had a very similar experience. I was at my – I was um at the uh... – I was in the, the infirmary where I work, and I was in the little side office where I see inmates, and um, I'm just doing notes. I have the door shut, and I'm doing notes, and I'm listening to the album on my cell phone, and after about 20 minutes, I had such a headache. I'm like, I'm putting back on Hatebreed. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would Yeah, no, I was just like, and then before I started this one, I listened to the new uh, Witherscape, which was one of the albums I did want to get to get here, but. I was just like, oh, come on. I have, I have to have something of substance before and after. Because this is, <laughs> oh, man. Like, just, like I said, when I get excited about hearing a guitar, and it's not even, like, the most amazing guitar ever, that's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, it was. this was a weird song anyways, because he was like, oh, drunk company. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and Jesus, I'm pretty sure Tom Morello was telling you to calm down, son. <laughs> This next song might be an actual song too. At this point, this late in the game, I don't remember. I just know that I remember listening to the album the first time and wondering, "Is there something wrong with my computer? Is it broke? Um, why does the music sound this way?" So did you get a new computer? Yeah, until I get a new computer, I need a new computer for the one at my job. It sucks. All right, this is track eight. This is actually. Um, a nice song length of three minutes, 16 seconds. This is Lesson Unlearned.
I'm bored. I mean, that one had guitar, and it still bored the shit out of me. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, wow, 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 just over and over and over. Yeah, I, I'm just uh. bored. I've heard stuff like that before. I've you know I've heard Clutch kind of employ a gospel sound. I've heard I've heard the stuff that they're doing in that song and it's just more interesting elsewhere. In this case it's just felt very hollow and it uh it was just blah, you know. I it was like at least some of the other stuff you can talk about it, it's terrible but it's interesting. This is just like completely forgettable. You know, you know what's lovely? This was only a three-minute-long track. Soon we're going to get the eight-minute track, followed by the seven-minute track, followed by the three minutes of literally nothing. <laughs> <sighs> shall, shall we plow forward? Gatorade ah, me, bitch. <laughs> All right. This next song sums up my feelings about this entire album. This is called Thanks But No Thanks. <laughs> better than you you know I, I am I'm so much better than you rednecks I'm so much better than you Midwesterners you dumb Americans you Fox News listening Republican Christian Americans we're ministry I'm Al Jorgensen and I'm from El Paso Texas but I'm not one of those redneck Texans I'm better than that and I'm better than you and it's like okay we got it <laughs> fine you 
fine. You only like your immediate fan base, which is like liberal kids and you know, you know, coastal kids, and that's about it. So good for you. And, and old guys who used to listen to your music. <laughs> yes. Well, I was a coastal kid. I, you know, I grew up in in Long Island, New York, and I partied in the city. I was definitely in that crowd. I was in that crowd of people that he accepts as fans. I just didn't necessarily fold neatly into their ideology and blindly follow where Al Jorgensen was willing to lead us. Um, I have what's one, I have what's called a mind of my own. So, you know, and again, I, I like Rage Against. Yeah. I liked Rage Against the Machine, too, and they were about as, like, anti-conservative as you can get as a band. My God, Zach DeLaRocco was like, communism now, communism forever. And I was like, whatever, bulls on parade, you know? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, man. I, I hear enough of both sides, you know, like, oh, I'm better than you people and the pew-pew Mark America, because I live in, like, North Carolina, the most backwards. Yeah, you probably wow. get the other side of this, don't you? You get the we're better than you, communist, homosexual, pinko, you know, oh atheist. Uh, I'm getting yes. that side you hear. That's the most of the side I hear, but then I hear the other side, and I hate them just as much because I'm like, you know, everybody's got some good points. It's just most people have their heads too far, their asses to even just realize that maybe if we kind of try to at least listen, we'll get more things done. No, shut down the government. Shut it. Shut it. Uh, Not not essential federal employees. Go home. This is the state that eliminated civil unions and did so by saying it was another ban of gay marriage, which is wonderful because there was one guy I went to high school with who's like, we need to double ban it. I'm like, buddy, if you ban it once, you're good. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, Jesus, I wish I could have voted Thing, and that was funny because the one girl I had dated, she was like, oh, yeah, I voted uh, for that. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm my, not gonna, my, not gonna... my wife is the only hmm? conservative girl I've ever dated. I, oh, every, wow. every girl I've dated has been, to one degree or another, um, some some form of liberal. And I am practiced in the art of hearing the other side. I just wish my dates had been. <laughs> yeah, the, the girl I dated was a preacher's daughter. Nice, yeah. dude. You oh, yeah, yeah, whatever a... you had to do to make that work, just so you could keep telling people you're dating the preacher's daughter. Which oh, it is hilarious because she was five foot tall. Mm-hmm. So she she looked about fourteen, and me with my she got like six two and giant beard and like crazy <laughs> hair. Like I looked like I was kidnapping some poor girl and taking her to the movie. <laughs> uh, oh, was, was a free that, son, and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. Do do do. Sorry. <laughs> Never met her dad, which it would have been funny because apparently her whole family was really short. So I would have been like Gandalf coming into uh, <laughs> coming into the house. They would, have, the they would have offered you the Hobbit's leaf. You'd have banged your head on the <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> that's what I always. That's what, that's what I told her too, because she loves Lord of the Rings. I'm like, you know, if I ever come to your house, I'm gonna like hit my head on the ceiling like Gandalf. She's like, oh, you're cute. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get to hear the the other side of this album, which is, oh, because especially here, because in Davidson County, it's kind of it's kind of rural, especially around where I live. So yeah, but uh, you know, like I said, I get tired of both sides. That's why I hate all those new stations. I'm cool. I'm cool with the BBC. They're fine. Yeah. They put out, the BB, they put out good you know, programming. 
so I listen to a lot of conservative talk radio. Um, I try to, I mean, it, I live in the, I live in the Tampa Bay area. We don't have any liberal radio that I'm aware of. So occasionally when I get a Jones to hear the other side of the, uh, argument, I'll go on TuneIn radio, which is an app on my phone and I can oh, pick I up, Rand- yeah, I can pick up the Randy Road show, which is, which, um, she's syndicated in like Vegas and California and Arizona. Um, so I can pick up her show usually on my drive home. Uh, and she's about the only liberal radio host that I can listen to that I, d- doesn't make me want to throw my radio out the window. Um, I actually I've like her, I like her a lot. Radio huh? Yeah. I've never heard a liberal radio host. Then again, the only talk radio was my biological dad. Who, uh, yeah. He's just, there's like one trip. It's just like, yeah, we're going to listen to the, we're going to listen to the talk radio and you're going to like it. I'm like, couldn't you at least put it on Rock 92? Come on, we at least post like classic rock. <laughs> so, um, I forgot where I was going with. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I've there's um, nope. Don't remember at all what I where where it was. Why I need why I felt the need to bring up the fact that I listen to Randy Rhodes. Because because you cover both sides of the coin, right? Yeah. yeah fair amount. Yeah. Nice save. Um, it's true. You know, I I there are times when. I feel like I want to like there's a, there's a big story going on and I'm, now I've listened to Rush Limbaugh and I've listened to Glenn Beck, you know, or I've listened to Michael Medved. Those are the ones that I get out here in Tampa. Um, Neil Bortz. <laughs> yes, Neil Bortz. Um, so I've heard their side of things and I've heard their arguments and I'm like, oh, well, that's making some degree of sense. Yeah, okay. And I'll put on Randy Rhodes and like her argument completely. It <laughs> completely screws the, their their argument. It's fun to listen to. It's somewhere in the middle. All right. Uh, nobody cares about our political thoughts. So, <laughs> getting, yeah, that's why on. they that's why they listen to the right hook because I'm not on there and I am not at liberty to talk politics. <laughs> that's okay. Music. That's okay. We don't talk politics on the right hook either anymore. We talk mostly um, the odd sex stories, <laughs> people having sex oh. on train tracks in the Ukraine and getting hit by a train. Oh yeah, uh, so you could say somebody ran a train on them. <laughs> All right, uh, that, that was. That was cool. I need to listen to that podcast
play for four minutes because I figured there had to be a song in there somewhere. God, I thought that was going on forever. It's like, yeah. damn, did Mark fall? Did Mark finally fall asleep? <laughs> Good night. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this, this album, Jesus. I mean, this is like Satan. <laughs> I mean, it's Satan's mood music because Satan listen to better than this shit. Good night, funny Jeez. rabbit. Good <laughs> night. Fuck, go ahead. God. Yeah, this, honestly, the entire, like, hook of this with the uh, kind of the Arabian guitar, you know what it reminds me of? 007 Golden Eyes the N64. See, I was For totally thinking, I was totally thinking Great Kali. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm not like, who was the one guy that was writing, I don't know if he still writes for Full One, but the one that actually absolutely adored the great Kali. I don't uh, remember who it was, but yeah. I know who you're talking about. Or, no, no, maybe I'm thinking of the one guy who um, adored uh, Mark Henry. <clears throat> well, Mark Henry's actually shown that he's got, has a lot more talent than he's ever been uh, given a chance to show. But, and damn, poor, poor great Kali can barely bend his knees. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, his knee-bending skills is about as good as Big Show's skill stopping to cry. Like, uh, stop <sighs> crying, because that's all, all he seems to do. Uh, see, bet- between the uh, between the casual heroes and, like, Sean Garmer's stuff, I've actually started to watch wrestling again, uh, because there's been, like, a, about like a three- or four-month period where I just didn't care. I so, have yeah, to be honest uh, with you, I watched maybe 20 minutes of wrestling on Monday. I watched How I Met Your Mother, and then I st- and then I put wrestling on, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I put the wrestling on, and then I finished my the, the Hamster of Doom because uh, as I put in the column, yeah, I was like, yeah, sorry guys, I love you, but uh, Breaking Bad comes first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's get real clear this. to my audience. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this shit over with. This is called. I had hoped maybe this was like a pseudo cover, a mocking cover of Enjoy the Silence by uh, Depeche Mode. I I should have been so lucky. This is Enjoy the Quiet. Enjoy the Quiet now.
Okay, that's enough. It sounded like an ultrasound. <laughs> I've been to those. I have a child. Um, ah, I've so, I've blood clots in my legs. Oh, that's not good. Um, no, okay, I want to. I can't. Blow. I, I want to share this with you, and this is this is okay. really all I have to say about this album. So I'm looking at the Amazon. I was trying to find like an aggregate of their reviews to see like maybe maybe we're wrong and maybe this album is better than I think it is. So on Amazon.com, this got four stars based on cost, 13 cust- Yeah, based on 13 customer reviews, this got four stars. Six were five stars, four were four stars, one was three, two were two stars, there were no one-star reviews. And the editorial review. From Beer to Eternity was written last December, prior to the death of Ministry Stars My Scatia. This was one of the most creative ministry tracking sessions ever. The band was on fire. We were having fun. We were coming up with great ideas and experimenting with everything we've ever wanted to do, from Stonesy Blues to dub and, of course, heavy guitar-based rock. It was too easy, no fighting, no problems. Nothing goes that well without the floor eventually falling out. Ministry main man Al Jorgensen says, It was the most emotionally difficult project I've ever done, but it was the most rewarding. Jorgensen continues, Mikey was amazed with the songs when he was working on them, and I know he's looking down on us now, and he's totally stoked with what we've come up with. Well, good. Uh, I hope he buys the album in heaven. Uh, because <laughs> when the zombie apocalypse happens, he's going to Best there's... Buy. Because <laughs> there's no way in God's green earth I would pay money for this shit. Thank you, Spotify. Uh, I... Uh, I don't even have the money to buy the album I like, much less this like bucket of horse ass. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean that's that ah oh, this thing's just a giant thing of shit. I mean I mean I shat everywhere on Super Collider and that really came from just the fact I was ex- I expect so much more. It's kind of like you know your child like your child like pretty much beats up like bullies this kid and then fails the test. And you're like you know I'm really ashamed of you. But then if somebody else's kid had bullied your kid and then failed the test, you just beat the shit out of them because they bullied your kid. I mean this is like Megadeth is. Megadeth is like, I'm ashamed of you, son. This album is just like, fuck you, kid. I hope you go to jail. Ah. Yeah, I can totally see Megadeth Supercolor. I'm ashamed of you. You've done bad things. This is your terrible human being. You need to be shot in a meth lab. Oh, oh no. They don't, oh, they don't even deserve that good. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't even that good. They deserve to be strangled by a middle-aged man in somebody's basement. <laughs> Okay. If that. I, can I can I can I just for for your now have you heard any other ministry albums before? No, this was literally my first time listening to ministry. This is terrible. This is like your first experience of sex and it's like you know, and it's like butt sex. You know, consensual butt sex. But butt sex nonetheless, like, oh is that really what it feels like? I don't like this at all. No, no, it could be much better than that. Except you're on the receiving end. Well, that was the implication. Um I don't want. Okay. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want your first experience to be, you know, like your first experience with ministry to resemble, like maybe like the college boy that your buddy's with and looks up to, and he kind of seduces you into butt sex, and you're like, well, this 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 was a game date that went terribly wrong, you know. I don't want it to feel like that. So, <laughs> I've seen way too many episodes of Family Guy. Sorry. Um, I thought you were about to say you saw too many episodes of Oz. That. <laughs> There's never enough episodes of Oz. Um, go back and listen to the following albums. Okay, go back and listen to the Land of Rape and Honey, 
The mind is a terrible thing to taste. Psalm 69. Houses of the most... You can skip filth pig. Hey, your pig is filthy. Clean it. Uh, you can totally skip dark side of the spoon. Uh, and anima and animositismania, Mina. Um, go listen to Houses of the Moly, Rio Grande Blood, and The Last Sucker. And then you'll know why I love mini- I loved ministry the way that I did and why this is such an awful disappointment. I'll have to do that because, man, like, I'm pretty sure, like, this is one of the worst out. I think this this might be the worst. No, this isn't the worst album of the year because the worst one of the year so far is an EP that had four tracks that I hated. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this this one is definitely a really really close. Like it was it was bad. Okay, yeah, that was the album I almost got the uh, Psalm sixty nine. Damn it! See, I almost bought Psalm sixty nine at a Goodwill uh, for it would have been like twenty cents. But I was like, mm, the CD scratch. Because <laughs> we have a Goodwill over here that's got, got tubs and tubs and tubs, and they just toss it in there and sell it by the pound. Yeah, and The Land of Rape and Honey is amazing. And it's got, and like the big standout song from that one is Stigmata. So even if you don't listen to the whole album, just go listen to Stigmata. The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste had on it uh, Thieves, which was awesome. And that's actually one of the songs that I heard when I went to Hotel Leningrad. Uh, Burning Inside, which. That actually does a pretty good cover of. It's also really, really good. Um, a lot of the old, a, a lot of the uh, goth kids like so what. I was kind of always iffy on it, but um, but if you if you can only listen to a few songs from that album, um, Thieves, Burning Inside, and so what. Um, especially if you're not totally into like everything has to be thrash metal. Um, Psalm sixty nine is an awesome album. It's, almost the entire thing is is fantastic. Phil's Pig's not a bad album. It's just not as good as the, the previous three. Dark Side of the Spoon's terrible. Um, Animosity is boring. And then we get back to, like, 2004, right? So 2004, Bush is reelected, and the country, uh, you know, and, and people declare that they're going to all move to Canada. That also, like, 2004, <laughs> two, 2004, 2006, 2007 are when, like, the trio of anti-George Bush Jr. albums come out. And just forgetting about the politics, they're really that that was ministry's like high point. You know, it was so much anger and it was so good and it's like everything after that, like you know, two thousand twelve's relapse and now certainly two thousand thirteen's from Theater Eternity are just you know, talk about wearing out your welcome and staying too long. These are like the Ric Flair circa two thousand yesterday of uh of music. It's just terrible. Uh. Oh man, you think maybe he came out with this album to promote his book? Because it really, cause I just thought about it. I'm like, he just had a book come out. Maybe that's why this shit thing came out, just so he can release something to coincide with the book. Uh, like I said, but, I'm, excuse me. I'm sure they were sitting on a bunch of tracks, and you know, he wanted to get this done and get it and get it off. But Al Jorgensen's also like in like 60 different bands, so oh, really? I'm pretty sure. He, yeah, I mean, at some point we we should. Uh, we should we should actually do a um a, a look back at uh, the the revolting Cox. That's some spectacular stuff. Let me tell you, one of his side projects. Oh, yeah, the, the, the revolting Cox is right up there with Anal Cunt in terms of great band names. Anyway, <laughs> and Goblin Cox. <laughs> Goblin, there's really one called Goblin Cox. Yeah, I mean they're not the, not a very good band, but yeah, there's a band called Goblin Cox. 
Fantastic. That's not nearly yeah. as good though as I wrestled the bear once. This is a terrible band. <laughs> but the band, band. But, yeah, but or, the but the name Alabama. is awesome. Alabama Thunder Pussy. That's up there. All right. Yeah, so that, that, so I think we said yeah. all there is to say about this album, right? You got anything else in the pipe? Uh, plug wise or just just to shit on this album? Anything else to say about this album? Uh, yeah, one of the worst albums I've heard uh, this year. Not last year, because last year there was an album so bad it made me uh, want to stop doing my ma- music marathon at the end of the year. But yeah, this awful album. Uh, I'm really probably going to listen to Ministry that's good because this is bad. Poor Mike Scossia, this is his lasting, le- this is his final legacy. <laughs> this ass stain of an album because he was on it. <laughs> Go listen to Broken Hope. I'm pretty sure they're a lot better. <laughs> I've heard some of them. They're pretty awesome. But yeah, that that's just that album. Oh, sweet Jesus. If you want to go listen to something with a freaking liberal message, go find a Rage Against the Machine album. God, anything's better than this pandering piece of horse shit. And uh, uh, can't uh can't imagine how bad it is for you. Even, this album even just makes the noise to piss out of me. Because there's no I real can... there was no no real anger to it. It's just like, yeah, this is how I'm feeling and um uh, don't feel like uh, conveying the message like you should. Just fuck it. Do it live. <laughs> so aren't you glad you asked me to do one more podcast before I went on hiatus? You know, I really wish I would have went with one of the albums I want to review. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have got a much prettier carrot. Uh, this one was like, this one had been like left out in a garbage bin for two weeks. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, so as I said, folks, this is it for me um, for the month of October. Uh, I will not be doing any long roads to ruin. I will not be doing any to my to my recollection. Uh, I will not be doing any. Uh, Everyone loves a bad guy, um, even though that's not my podcast, so it doesn't matter. I will probably do the occasional casual heroes, um, and I will still and I will be still be doing the right hook. Uh, and I will also be doing the 401 Ground and Pound show, except for um, August, uh, except for October 27th, because I will not be home. I will be at my brother-in-law's wedding, which is part of the reason why I'm taking a month off. Uh, it's also just to recharge my batteries and kind of get my head in, back in the game, kind of prepare for the new for the uh, end of the year. I just wanted to take a break from doing podcasts during the week, if at all possible, um, unless it's more fit my schedule. I also want to get back into running, so that, that's kind of what I wanted to spend my time doing this month. Time uh, to murder it. Yes, that's right, because it's time to murder it. Um, so that that being said, I want to real. I'm going to let Robert do his plugs in just a minute, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about before I, I go on hiatus. You may have noticed on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, there's a lot more content than there used to be. So a couple of changes took place. And it uh, it started – I'm going to go into detail about this at another time, but for the time being, let me say that it kind of started with um, giving Robert Winfrey an opportunity to do a podcast of his own um, on a day that I wasn't using my Blog Talk Radio account. And that turned into giving other people an opportunity to do podcasts on the account when I wasn't using it because I'm only using it two days a week and I'm spending money on this. It sort of, you know, it, made, it was kind of pointless to continue doing it that way. So I figured, well, let me take the opportunity to give other people uh, a chance to express themselves, and that led to me syndicating a bunch of different shows. So, for example, 
um, that led. I, I've been on the Casual Heroes now a bunch of times, and they um, they were on the Stoplight Network, and that wasn't a very good fit for their WrestleCast, which tends to, if you think the three beards are blue, you should hear some of the shit Jed says. So they weren't a good fit for Stoplight. Um, they are, in fact, a good fit for the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network because I have nobody to please but myself. You know, if people enjoy it, that's great, but I, I don't pretend to be anything other than an amused fan of podcasts. So uh, I, I said, you know, I let, they let me on their show. I let them on my network. Everyone's happy. Um, we had been recording the right hook on my friend John's pot, Block Talk Radio account, but he didn't keep it up. Um, so we moved it over to mine. And I said, well, if we're moving it over to mine, once it airs live on From the Right Radio, I'm like, let me just cause we would we would record it, and then we would keep it private so that nobody could call in and mess it up because it's a pre-recorded show. Um, once it airs on From the Right Radio, I wanted to give people who don't listen to it live an opportunity to, to listen to it. So I would so now you're starting to see the archived right hooks after they debut on FromTheRightRadio.com. And I'm just making them unprivate. You know, I'm making them, I'm making them public now. Um, which then led to the very last thing that I added as of today. Uh, so John Brodigan, the Rated R Republican and the host of The Right Hook, um, does his own other uh, video cast on Google Hangout with the good folks over at Misfit Politics. And they call that Misfits DOA. I talked to him about it today, and we decided that why not give people who prefer the strictly audio version of things to – Give that a listen to, and you know, um, I don't, I don't have any part of that. I don't, I don't do. Usually, when they're doing Misfits DOA, I'm doing the 401 Ground and Pound show, so I couldn't be on it anyway. But you know, John's a good guy. You know, we have fun together when we do the right hook, and I wanted to give people an opportunity, another venue to look at the uh, Misfits DOA. And finally, um, I wanted to start doing sort of the. I wanted, and it started with the Breaking Bad series finale which Robert Cooper was on and Robert Winfrey. I wanted to, you know, if I feel passionate about something, I want to be able to use my blog talk radio account to talk about it. So um, I'm also trying to experiment with the Google Hangout, Google Plus um, technology. You know, we're, we're, we're moving to an audio and visual. So there'll be, they'll still, they'll, they'll always be strictly audio of anything that I'm involved with on my blog talk radio account. That's not changing. I know Sean and um, Robert Winfrey have talked about, you know, things are moving to Google. Uh, sort of. <laughs> we we are trying to create a video version of um, The Long Road to Ruin. And maybe you know, once that gets going, some of the other stuff will go video as well. But it, there'll always be the audio option here on the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network um, on blogtalkradio.com. So just to uh, kind of go back, to, if you go, if you check out the site now, you'll find the latest episode of Misfits DOA. Um, the Casual Heroes did an interview with Gangrel uh, of The Brood. Oh. Yeah, so that's on that there awesome. now. Um, the aforementioned Breaking Bad post-series uh, finale discussion is up uh, the latest 401 ground and pound radio, which they finally found an opponent for Tim Kennedy. But uh, we, but we spent we spent about 20 minutes coming up with random opponents that uh, could take advantage of the fact that this was fight for the troops. You know, various 
foreign types. It was fun. We had we had a good we had a good time with that. Um, everyone loves a bad guy. There's a couple episodes of that up. Um, they did a call-in special, sort of celebrating the shows they hadn't gotten a chance to talk about leading up to Breaking Bad. Uh, the latest episode of The Right Hook is up. Um, Long Road to Ruin, Rambo's Part One and Two are up. Everybody loves a bad guy. The Shield, which I was on, uh, and obviously the previous um, Metal Hammer of Doom, where we reviewed the latest Phil Anselmo and the Illegals album. So that's all in the pipeline. And um, as even though I'm taking some time off from doing a lot of the podcasting I was, I'll still be running the ship here and trying to provide as much content on the on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network as possible. So. Uh, I hope everyone likes it. You know, there's something for everybody here. And uh, that was the idea is to try to fill up, you know, fill this thing up with more and more content, you know, so people who like different things could find a place to uh, to find what they're looking for. So that's it. That's all I really wanted to say about that. And I'm going to get into a little bit. I'm going to do um, at some point kind of just a 15 minute breakdown of what Rattledge and Broadcasting is about and what we're all, what we're trying to do here. Uh at some point in the future, and that'll just be there for anyone who gives a crap. <laughs> in the meantime, what do you got going on, Robert Cooper? Well, there was the, uh, the Hammer of Doom news report. Uh, it's usually every Sunday. Well, that's when it's supposed to come out. Like this week, it came out on Monday, late Monday, because Breaking Bad. And I'm really bad at planning things. But yeah, we uh, the Breaking Bad podcast is really awesome. I really enjoyed it, even though I did hear that echo almost the whole time. Yeah, we'll get that figured out. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Uh, Hammer Doom News Report this week. What was it about? It was about uh, gosh, what, what did I talk about? Oh yeah, the because uh, the week before I talked about James Hetfield and Metallica's Napster thing. And I was like, you know, they kind of had a point and illegal downloading isn't that great. Well, this week uh, the Bill Steer of uh, Carcass has Bill Snow and Bill Steer. It's one of the guys from Carcass. The singer was talking about a. Uh, Illegal downloading is actually useful. And I was like, hey, that's the other side of the coin. Why not talk about it? And I did, and it was actually, I felt like it was a pretty pretty interesting look, at, you know, kind of like the other side of the coin. Like, you know, illegal downloading isn't honestly that bad. At least if you're a real fan, it's not, because you're going to go buy shit anyways, which is the other people, the people that Metallica were bitching about. But, yeah, uh, I had that, uh, let's see, in about an hour and a half, the Cooperative Multiplayer Podcast on Spreaker. Steven Randall Spreaker, we talk about video games. Yeah, it'll be me and I think Daniel Anderson. Yeah, I think it's just me and him because uh, Sean is a uh, – poor Sean. But, yeah, Sean's got some stuff and Jeremy's not uh, – he's kind of on hiatus from the podcast. But so I got that. Uh, shit. Oh, yeah, the four-player co-op, four-player co-op uh, column in the game zone of 411 Mania. I'm in that. Probably not going to win, but I did have a rant against Pants. It was it was wonderful. Oh, it sounds like I'm a, I'm like either high or mentally ill, but I'm ta- I just go off on this really dumb tan like just rant about how pants are the biggest uh, te- the last big tyranny in society, and how really how the governments of the world are making us wear pants so that we're being held down. Oh, it's it is gloriously stupid, and I love it. Uh, let's see what else am I gonna have? All the- so great. Then the top five this week in the music zone will be coming out tomorrow. It has uh, music. There's a uh, theme theme songs for TV shows. I suggested it because my God, Breaking Bad. Why not? So, yeah, we had that. Uh, what's the other three beards? Yeah, 
uh, this our latest episode came out today. I'm actually in it because the because my audio has been so out of sync. They actually didn't use me in the last episode. But it's funny because it was a six person podcast, and most of what I said wasn't heard because I was kind of either being talked over or I was really quiet. So that episode worked out fine. But yeah, this week was uh was our bluest, believe it or not, because we get to because the aristocrats the cat the aristocrats joke is brought up. The actual aristocrats joke is told. And believe I it tried, or not, I do I, not, I, I tried to get the guys over at Casual Heroes to do that as a commercial. What the aristocrats joke? Yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, I believe it or not, like it was. It was Kevin and our guest Ruben G and Fletcher doing really just long-winded, nasty stories, and that's not really my thing. So I was just kind of commenting on the sideline whenever uh, something funny came into my head. But yeah, that is what our episodes evolved into, and it was it was hilarious and fun. So yeah, we got that. Uh, you can find us on 336cast.com. That's like a whole podcast network, Kevin and uh, Alexander, our, our uh, friend, friend of the show, Alexander. They started up doing uh, for all the podcasts in the uh, guess sort of the area between Winston-Salem and Charlotte in North Carolina. So it's got uh, some other name redacted as a podcast that they do on there. Uh, the old episodes of the Trollcast, where there are two episodes of it, and the third one, which I was in, that got never made it because the audio was bad. Who'd have thought? Yeah, that was there. Uh, also, oh, it was. Uh, Kevin said it sounded like because I was using a microphone and I'm not. I did not know where to put the microphone. I'm like, a, uh, there's a joke I was going to make, but that's uh, a, little, a little too blue for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, he, sound, he said it sounded like I was standing in the uh, bathroom with the mic outside talking. <laughs> so, yeah, but, uh, yeah, and we're also on iTunes, rate us, review us five stars. Love you a long time if you do so. Uh, and on Facebook at four slash, uh, facebook.com forward slash the Three Beards Podcast. And as for this podcast, I'm sure you're going to get to it, but I, I'm sure Mark doesn't mind. I am taking over the one corner of the uh, Radlitz from Broadcasting uh, Methamphetamine Empire that Robert Winfrey cannot host about because it's just not quite his thing. So I'm really hoping to hijack this podcast while Mark is gone and see what I can do. I don't have really any any people lined up to go with me. I can go solo, and the albums I have in my head to do right now are Surgical Steel by Carcass for one week and... I think the inheritance by Witherscape, but I can also there's also new Dream Theater, new Gore Guts, uh, new Ashes of Verities. There's lots of different genres and albums we can do. So anybody listening, if you want to join in, let me know, and I'll I'll be posting about it all over trying to get people. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to try hosting, see if I can live up to the Rattlech name. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I have faith. Um, all right, so. Uh, when we come back, we will be back in November, uh, fairly early on. November, I'll get with Robert towards the end of October, about exactly when in November we're coming back and with which album. Um, I don't know. The, uh, like the, the idea I did have, because it'll be our one-year anniversary of podcasting on this co- uh, podcast, top five albums, maybe, something like that. Top five are, are out, our top five albums of all time. Something like of that, all time? Maybe. Yeah, like my my top five and your top five, like favorite albums of all time. Um, yeah, that actually is not a bad idea. All right, yeah, let's let's plan for some time and um when I come back in November to do uh our 
top five albums of all time. One track, obviously, a piece from each album. Oh, yeah, um, that'll, uh, that'll, give, that'll give us 10. That way we won't run too long. All right, that sounds good. So yeah. come back. Uh, keep, keep checking the Rattler and Broadcasting Network on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, you'll, you'll, um, when we come back, we'll do Mark and Robert's top five albums of all time. God, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Considering you, oh. you know, you go Guns and Roses all the way to you know Cannibal Corpse. I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot uh, there's a lot in there to deal with. <laughs> well, well, we got you, some you got you got a month because I've been thinking about this subject for like years now. Because I've never like my top my favorite album. You know my favorite album, I'm sure. See, so, yeah, that's not a mystery. But like everything else, it's like I have my favorite bands. But when you get to albums, I'm like there's so many, right? Right? Yeah, it's rough. So I may just grab like a random five and be like, "All right, of the many, here are the five, here are the five I wanted to talk about and hear a song from." All right. So, having said that, thank you for joining us on the Metal Hammer of Doom podcast. Until we meet again, be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>